Hi, everyone. I uh, hope you're having a great day. This is our sermon for, um, I guess, May 24th, and uh, it is the next in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, I am recording this from home this week. I had a, a major, pretty major knee operation. I was in the hospital for a few days and have been home recovering. And so for those of you who sent thank you or sent notes or um, let me know you were praying for me, thank you. Um, I'm really appreciative of those notes and uh, all of your support. And uh, thanks for letting me and uh, supporting me and everything I do. So thanks. Um, tonight's sermon or today's sermon, whenever you may be listening to this, is the next in the Sermon on the Mount, as I said, and will be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. Uh, the sermon I've entitled is titled it Judgment. So if you haven't read it, go ahead and pause, read it, and uh, otherwise, then let's go. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus came to fulfill the law, right? Um, How Jesus came to illuminate the law for us and and what that might look like. And so here, um, Jesus begins this, really. And actually, from here on out, um, throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, you see that one of the things he's doing is um, illuminating these ethical laws and things that there were questions about. And even though Jesus taught so long ago, they really can still do the same for us today uh, and illuminate what Jesus would have us do in this life. And in verse 21, he starts with something pretty clear, right? You've heard it said, it was taught to the ancients. What he's talking about there is the Old Testament. Um, In the Ten Commandments, it was taught to those who have gone before us, do not murder. This This is a good rule, right? This is something we want to follow. This is something that we know to be true, that we shouldn't kill people, we shouldn't take our anger out on people, that um, we can agree on this, right? And if we do so, we'll be liable to judgment, right? We'll be taken to court, we'll have to serve the punishment of murder. Um, Hopefully that's the case, if that happens. And so we get it, do not murder, period. But then he elaborates more, and he continues to go down the road, and in verse 22, he actually says that anyone who is angry Anyone who says these words, these insults to people, will actually also be subject to judgment. Anyone who who has hate in their heart towards another person. Uh, These two words, one is is raka, uh, and the other one, he just says, you fool. Um, They're actually interesting words. Uh, We don't know a ton about them. They're both only used here in the New Testament. Uh, They're basically just really serious insults. And it wasn't that Jesus was saying, if you say these things, then bad things will happen. No, he was using these as examples, right? That if, if you treat people this way, if you say these things to people, if you condemn others publicly, privately, whatever, that you will be judged as well. And, and in, not just liable to judgment, Jesus says, but he continues at the end of, of, of this verse, and, and he goes on to say that you will be in danger of, of going to hell, uh, in danger of the fires of hell. And this, this word hell, again, is we talked about this before with the Apostles' Creed series, is the word Gehenna which was a place of pain and suffering, um, a place where in rabbinic literature um, the wicked people were sent. And so what, what Jesus is saying is, is if you act in this way, a way that is critical, a way that is condemning of others, you are in danger of having this be your fate. It doesn't mean immediately you're going to go to some wicked, evil place. What it means is that you're in danger of, of having this be um, your judgment. If you were one, maybe think about it this way, if you were one who carries yourself this way, um, treats others this way, that you were liable for that. Now, I want to point this out because I remember hearing this, that, you know, if I have one angry thought about someone in my brain, it's like the same as murdering them, right? Now, um, (laughs) 
I get what people mean when they say that. I get what people say that we shouldn't have angry thoughts because it's basically the same thing. Uh, in some ways, yes. But I don't think Jesus wants us to think that like being angry is the same as murdering. Um, we know that anger is an emotion. Anger is a natural thing. It happens, right? Um, and we can all agree that murdering someone is, is much, much worse, right, than being angry with someone. Um, you know, murder is, in a sense, the most extreme outpouring of anger, that anger stews in our heart and becomes hate. And then hate is the outcome, or murder is the outcome of, of hatred towards someone else. Um, and one of the reasons that murder is such a big deal, I think, is because murder cannot be reconciled, at least to the person. Right? If, you, if, if we kill someone, take the life of someone else, we cannot reconcile that here on this earth. And we see, coming up in, in the last little section today, that reconciliation is a very important important part of this to Jesus. Jesus is simply saying here, not that we can't have anger, not that we can't have angry thoughts ever, but that to harbor angry thoughts, to murder someone, it, both of these things make us liable to judgment. Neither are edifying to God. Neither bring the kingdom of God to earth. Um, having hang, hatred and anger in our hearts does not glorify God. And then Jesus continues in verse 23 and 24 and talks about this idea of if you have something against your brother or sister, and you need to leave your altar or leave your, your sacrifice, go and reconcile them and then come back, right? Um, and when I first read this, I think, okay, this is about true worship. You know, we need to reconcile before we should worship. And that's true. Um, but I think the main point might not just be worship, but that it's maybe the main point here is reconciliation. You know, Jesus is talking to people who lived a very rigorous religious life. Um, they lived by these laws, these sacrificial laws, how to do what, when to do what. Um, people surely spent a lot of time making sure they were following these laws. Um, how do we focus on these things? How do we do these things well? And in some ways, we've become kind of similar, haven't we? You know, we prioritize church. We prioritize the rituals we have made in church. And a lot of these things are good things. Our volunteering, um, our help, our music, whatever it is we give, however we serve, these are good things. But consider, if Jesus was teaching us that the most important thing is not the rituals we have in our lives, the most important thing is not the practices we have in our lives, the most important thing is reconciliation with our brothers and sisters. What if Jesus coming to fulfill the law was to explain to us that while worship is good and important, but if we had to choose between going to church we're seeking reconciliation, maybe we should seek reconciliation first. Because to worship with anger and hate in our hearts is really not what God wants of us. You know, this is why we read at our, our the epistle reading um, for the service is Romans chapter 12. And in verse 18, Paul tells the Romans to, to live peaceably. It all basically is as best you can. And we today sometimes fall into this trap, don't we? We tend to think, well, as long as I'm going to church, right? As long as I go to church, I'll be okay. Things will work themselves out. But Jesus wants us to work on our hearts. Jesus wants our hearts to be healed, to be renewed, to be made healthy. And if we have hatred in our hearts, how can we worship? And you say, yes, Sam, but this is so difficult. People are so stubborn. People are unfair. They get defensive and angry. And it's easier to just sort of ignore the reconciliation. Ignore the people who are really bugging you. Right? I'll do my thing. They can do their thing. 
We've talked about this a decent amount recently. Um, This idea of thinking of just staying separated and staying individual. Um, You know, people do it culturally, right? I'm just going to hang out with people like me. People do it politically, right? I'm just going to be around the people that believe what I believe and only read the things I believe. We do it with family and coworkers too. We just sort of tend to leave things unsaid or unreconciled or unspoken about. We build up resentment, secret grudges happen in our hearts. We think critically and negatively about people behind their backs. And it just builds up, doesn't it? And Jesus knew this would happen. This is the thing. Jesus isn't saying, don't ever be angry. He knew it was going to happen. Verse 25 and 26, he gives a, a metaphorical instance of, of when, we're going to, when you're going to court. He says, if your adversary is taking you to court and you're on the way, Jesus knew there would be disagreements and fights in verse 25 and 26. He knew there would be disagreements, but he says, settle it quickly as best you can. Because it's going to happen, but if it does happen, when it does happen, settle it quickly. And this idea of settling it quickly is so good, but it's so unpopular for us today. Because if you think about it, if you have an adversary taking you to court, or you're going to court together, you are headed, Jesus says it would be better to settle it on the way. What would that mean for you or for me? That would mean maybe being the first to apologize. That would mean maybe taking a loss. That would be maybe even sacrificing our dignity in some way. Sacrificing having to be right in some way. And someone might say, but that's, that's not fair. Maybe. But when I read this, it seems to me like Jesus is saying, if it's within our ability as his followers, to find reconciliation, that we should probably take it. Because maybe you're handed over to the judge and it does not go well for you. And then, as Jesus says, you're left with a large debt to pay. Now, um, my wife, being a lawyer, (laughs) she made sure to uh, mention to me here when I was talking with my sermon about her, uh, talking about my sermon with her, uh, that, of course, there's a caveat here, right? There's always a time when we need to go to court. There's always a time when we need someone to help us mediate. Um, there's always a time when things are outside of our control to reconcile. I get that. And sometimes we cannot resolve things on our own. Uh, I just want to make that clear, right? That I love lawyers. My wife's a lawyer. Um, but this is a metaphor Jesus is using about our hearts, about your heart and about my heart. That Jesus, well, what do we learn? One, he doesn't want us to kill people. That's clear. That's, that's a command from a long time ago, and it's still a good one. But the second thing that we need, to, we need to focus on, when we get angry, that we ought to be reconciled at all costs. Because when we don't, we open ourselves up to judgment. Right? That's what the text says, that we are opening ourselves to judgment when we act this way. And who among us, brothers and sisters in Christ, who among us can pay our own debt? If we, if you and I make a practice of anger towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, towards our fellow man, not only does it make our own hearts hard, not only does it put us in a foul mood, but it also then affects our relationship with God. It affects our worship and how we think about God. Our habits, how we live life, affects everything in our life. I talk about this all the time with this this term, our functional image of God, right? If we live a life... If we choose to live a life being angry with others, having contempt in our hearts and we make it a habit, having 
saying things about people that are hurtful or that are mean, then sometimes it creeps into our brain and we begin to wonder, does God think about us like that? That we have contempt for so many other people that we wonder, does God have contempt for us? Is that true for any of you? That you tend to be harsh and short-tempered and sometimes you wonder if God is harsh and short-tempered towards you? It's hard to believe the promises of God sometimes because your heart has been trained to be angry and defensive. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe, maybe it's just with small things. Maybe it's the anger of losing your temper at work and saying something ill-advised or getting home and, and, and getting angry or, or, or being harsh with kids or with a spouse or with friends or with someone at home. Um, you know, just sort of little things like this happen throughout the day, right? Maybe it's at the store or someone cuts in front of you in line, whatever it is. Little things bring up anger each day. But, but then there's also anger with big things, isn't there? Deep, deep hurts and wounds, something we have kept with us for a really long time, something we have harbored in our hearts and that is sort of stewed and built up in our hearts over years and years. I know those angers too. Um... Trust me, I know those angers. And the tricky thing about those is that initially they come from sometimes even a good place. We were hurt, something happened to us that was outside of our control, and we were angry, we were upset. But when we hang on to those things, what happens? Right? And, and, and the funniest thing about this is whether the small things or the big things, sometimes we even blame God, right? Like, how could we let this happen? God, how could you do this? How could you allow this thing to happen to me? But, but what we don't realize is it's us doing it. I have bad news, right? Whether it's big, big anger or, or small things throughout the day, that if you're choosing to live a life of anger and to keep and hang on to these things in your heart, that it's on you. It's not on God. That hate, anger, and then hate is a choice. We choose to hang on to anger and hate in our hearts. Anger is an emotion, and that's fine. And it comes up, and, and, and it just does. But when we hang on to it, it becomes sin. We choose to hang on to the small things that make us angry without being reconciled. And then those small things turn into big things, don't they? And do and, and you know how I know this? Because... When we worship, those things that we've been hanging on to, they come up. They boil up to the surface, don't they? Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you're at a retreat, you're at a camp. Maybe you're, you know, just Sunday at church. It could be anything. You're worshiping, you're singing, you're, you're, you're praying, you're listening to the sermon, you're, you're fellowshipping, whatever it is. But you're feeling connected with God. And then um, something comes up and it bubbles up to the surface. And this anger or this hate you've had in your heart distracts you, makes you sad afraid, whatever it is, it begins to disconnect you from God. Many of us have had this experience. And yes, of course, there's always things outside of our control. There's always things you and I cannot control, things other people do to us. I'm not talking about those. What I'm talking about is the things we can control, the things, the choices we make each and every day to hang on to. We're choosing to be angry, aren't we? Jesus is so serious about reconciliation, church. Jesus is so serious about this. He tells <laughs> these people who are listening to his teaching, like, 
if, if you are about to make a sacrifice, if you are about to worship God, and there's something you need to work out, put your worship on hold. For the sake of reconciliation among people, put your worship on hold. And go and talk to that person. For the sake, church, think about this, for the sake of reconciliation among us, among you and me and, and brothers and sisters in Christ and friends and neighbors and co-workers, God said, our Lord Jesus Christ said that we need to put these things first. We need to put this reconciliation first. And I believe it's for the sake that we would understand God more. Because the more we practice forgiveness, the more we practice right living, we realize what God wants of us. Because if we don't, we open ourselves up to judgment. And let me just ask you, who among you can pay your debt? Consider the sacrifice Jesus Christ made for you, that we believe as a Christian church, who Jesus was, what Jesus did. And if you were to open yourself up to judgment, who among us could pay their own debt? None of us. We have been forgiven. At the cross, we have been made free. So why would we not go into all of our relationships and offer them the same forgiveness and grace and reconciliation that we have found with Jesus? Why would we not give that gift away freely? Church, Let's be the people who are the first to say, I'm sorry. Church, let's be the people who don't worry about the small things, but are worried about the big things, the love God has for those who would consider us their adversaries. For those hurts that cannot be reconciled, because I know there are some, or as I said, people who consider us their adversary or their enemy, let's also not hang on to those things. Let's also not cling to those things that we cannot control. Let's give those to the Lord so that those things, when we try to cling to them, do not become hate in our heart because we can't fix everything. But we can certainly choose not to hold hate in our hearts. And when we think about this word judgment, it comes up over and over again in the text. When we think about this, let me, let me just offer you this. When we think about this, when we think about reconciliation and offering up reconciliation to one another and, and being the first to say we're sorry or whatever it is we need to do, we do it so that we can go on Sundays. We can go into our rituals. We can go into our worship and have a rich, deep life of communal worship, not just us, not just me alone, but all of us together because we have been reconciled together, that we can have a rich life of communal worship, not centered on judgment, but on grace and forgiveness because we've made it a practice in our daily lives. Church, may you be people who seek reconciliation. May you be people who live not by judgment, but by grace and forgiveness. And may we all remember that not one of us can pay our debts. And so let us go forward, seeking reconciliation, being honest, being open, and releasing the anger and hate that we sometimes hold on to in our hearts, so that we might rest in the love and forgiveness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. I hope to see you soon.